the equation that I've used in describing what we do is fact plus context equals truth. This is Gary Maloney. He's a legend among Republican opposition researchers. He's worked on several presidential campaigns and for GOP candidates running for federal, state, and local offices in 44 states. In the last episode of Oppofile, Gary shared his experiences in 1988 when then-Vice President George H.W. Bush announced Indiana Senator Dan Quayle would be his running mate. A young man born in the middle of this century and from the middle of America, the next vice president of the United States, Senator Dan Quayle of Indiana. Our conversation covered a lot of interesting ground, including how Gary got his start in oppo research. He also shared his views on a now famous meeting during the 2016 election in Trump Tower. A lawyer with ties to top Russian government officials met with Paul Manafort, Jared Kushner, and Donald Trump Jr., ostensibly to provide oppo research on Hillary Clinton. In this bonus episode of Oppofile, here's more from my interview with GOP opposition researcher Gary Maloney. I was the first person on the Republican side to research Barack Obama. This was in the early spring of 2004, when Obama had just been nominated in Illinois, and um, I was hired by the Jack Ryan campaign to do the job on Obama. There was this core of staff, Republican staffers in Springfield, Illinois, who had been in the majority and their bosses had been in the majority for six of Obama's eight years. And so they knew him. Springfield, pretty small town. It's a small core group dealing with each of the houses of the legislature. Not a single person that I talked to on the Republican side had anything much bad to say about him. And they told me about bills and bad bills that he'd sponsored. They, they pointed me to all sorts of uh, interesting things, but nothing negative about Obama himself. Even though they completely disagreed with him, they liked him. And I had a real problem finding people who didn't like him. And I pointed this out early on, and it was became true in both 08, where I did some more work against Obama, and in 12. Nobody hated the guy. And I think that was a real part of his appeal. The Clintons had a legion of people. From the beginning, 1992 onward, who absolutely dis- despised him, no matter how affable Bill Clinton was. And well, Bill really was an affable guy from everyone I've talked to who's been with him. But there were always people who really despised the Clintons. And we as researchers need the help of people who are motivated against our opponents because they have a reason. Now, it may not be a good reason. And that doesn't mean that we take what they say literally, but they're always worth hearing. They're always worth listening to, in my opinion. I've been doing research for a living since 84, 85. Uh, Before that, I was trained to be a journalist and worked on the Hill 
over a period of 10 years as a press aide. My training was in journalism from Southern Cal, and that informed my work because I was trained by some of the best journalists in Los Angeles, in particular, some investigative journalists. One in particular was a guy named Ed Cray, who wrote many books. And the journalistic training forced me to be a thorough researcher and forced me to reason through everything and look not just for facts, but also for context. And the equation that I've used in describing what we do is fact plus context equals truth. My career in research really started with Lee Atwater. My best friend at the time, and for many, many years, still a friend, Jim Pinkerton, was working for Lee at the RNC and then later in the White House. And he naturally roped me in to meet this cool guy that he was working with. And they decided to have their own research team. It served the immediate needs of the campaign leadership at Water and Ed Rollins, who was the campaign manager. And there were many research needs that they needed. Uh, probably the biggest thing we did was a review of Harry Truman's 1948 train tours, which were highly effective. And this was the last campaign, 48 was the last campaign before television. And how did they deploy Truman and to which states? And what sort of rhetoric did he use? And what did he talk about and where did he go? This was the genesis of a brief but memorable campaign tool using, in fact, Truman's train car, the famous Ferdinand Magellan train. And Reagan raced across Ohio, which was a key target state. And for a whole day, he was basically Harry Truman. Atwater was always interested in the history of Oppo and uh, had us go back and look at some things. And, th and that always struck me. He was interested in the history of Oppo as it was part of what he called the permanent campaign. Once a candidate is elected, the campaign does not stop. It continues. And he called it the permanent campaign, which was a bit of a steal from a book called The Permanent Campaign, which had come out a couple of years earlier, but he meant something slightly different. And so he was always fascinated as to what White Houses were doing. So what did Eisenhower's White House do in 56 about Stevenson? What did Eisenhower's White House and RNC do in 60 that would help Nixon? And the answer was not very much. I was not involved with the Trump campaign in 2016, but I was called by the Washington Post in 2017 to discuss what I thought of Donald Trump Jr. meeting with a Russian operative, a woman who claimed to have information that would be useful to the campaign. And my response was that that's absolutely normal and understandable. You're always interested in information 
that is pertinent to the campaign you're trying to win. However, the real problem I had was that the Trump campaign manager, at this time Paul Manafort, allowed Donald Jr. himself to be within five miles of that meeting. That meeting should have had an oppo person as the 10-foot pole between this possible source, turned out that she was full of hot air, was interested in something else entirely, Would it, it's that there should have been that person as a 10-foot pole between the questionable potential source and the campaign. Lee Atwater, when he was campaign manager for Bush, would not have allowed George Bush Jr., later President George W. Bush, to be anywhere near a meeting like that. John Podesta would never have allowed Chelsea Clinton to be anywhere near a meeting with a potential source of information for the campaign. And that was the thing that struck me, not anything Donald Jr. said or did. The fact that the campaign manager, a, a man who knows better, Paul Banaford, would have allowed such a ridiculous thing. The campaign's family has to be treated the same way as the candidate, him or herself. You protect the corpus. You protect them from potential blowback. And one of the key roles of researchers is to be the tip of the spear, to be the 10-foot pole. And we can be jettisoned. We can be disowned. But you can't disown the campaign managers. You certainly can't disown a member of the candidate's family. They didn't have a research operation to speak of. And so that's why I think another reason why Manafort and Trump Jr. went to this meeting. Oppofile is a production of Last 5% Media. Our production manager is Caitlin Bruce. Our sound engineer is Jeremy Damas. Our researchers are Adam Melian and Lisa Wang. Andrew Greenwood is our designer, and our website is by Edgar Guerra. We'd like to thank Workhouse Media, Studio To Be, Chris George, Gary Maloney, Cassandra Pye, District Productive, R Street Recording, and our listeners and guests. For more information on this podcast, check out our website at www.oppofile.com or follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Oppofile. If you enjoyed this episode of Oppofile, please subscribe and leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now and share Oppofile with your friends. Thanks for listening and please join us on the next episode of Oppofile.